What does it mean to manufacture a stronger standard? At DeGeist, it means to solve challenges and help manufacturers achieve more through our people, our technology, and our belief that anything is possible. This is Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist. Hello and welcome to Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the program. Today's episode kicks off a new series on the changing regulations impacting manufacturers. And as always, I'm thrilled to welcome Derek DeGeist, president of DeGeist Corporation and Lesta USA. And he's going to share his expert insights on this topic. And he also is going to help other manufacturers learn from his experience in this area. And so, Derek, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tyler. I'm excited to talk about certifications and regulations in North America. It is a really near and dear topic for us, and I got a lot of uh, painstaking experience to share from this one. Now that you've been through the process of installing new technology and manufacturing, why is this a topic that you're excited to cover and that you wanted to cover on the podcast Manufacturing a Stronger Standard? DeGeese Corporation with Lesta USA, both of our companies were very passionate about helping the industry, and we want to help make sure that we can successfully integrate robotics and automation into any one of our industry's operations. So today we want to share kind of what we learned from our ulcer producing experience as a contract job shop, installing a large finishing system that had many different pieces of machinery. And we also have a lot of experience as Lesta USA as we shepherded in a new robotic technology that we certified for the North American market. So we've been on both sides of the coin now, and those two kind of come together, and it was a really uh, unique experience that neither one of them would have been successful, I think, without the experiences of each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, Derek, I I remember just even from the first time that we spoke, it was always really clear that you've been very forward-thinking and constantly in pursuit of new solutions for your team, right? And this has led you through a really interesting journey, like you mentioned, an ulcer-producing process. I like how you put that. Uh, When it comes to to working through local, state, and federal certifications and regulations and all of that. So tell us a little bit more about that experience and some of the major lessons you walked through and, and that you learned by walking through that process. I think it almost started at what could have been the end. It really did. I mean, we built the first of its kind in North America and a multi-million dollar system, and it fell kind of victim of timing, I'd say from state and electrical ruling on industrial machinery and equipment. And what happened was, is our state electrical commission went to a conference and they were told by uh, NRTL, which is a National Register Intestinal Laboratory, an industry expert on the different ways to look at machinery for uh, industry, general industry. And they came back and they took that as a black and white uh, ruling and they looked at our system that we put in and they red tagged our entire system. Uh, an entire operation, no power was to ever be put to it until everything was changed to meet some new interpretation of the law for electrical equipment in North America or, or South Dakota specifically. And talking to the to the electrical commission, there was no other solution other than to change it. Talking to the man, manufacturers of the equipment, they had no solution. And so there was, I even called the governor's office to see what we could do. And no one had a path for us to ever turn on our system. It could have, it could have wrecked us. Wow, that is, uh, that is absolutely incredible. So there was no roadmap forward when it came to this. So if we look at this podcast then as your personal roadmap and the steps that you took and maybe the steps that other manufacturers could follow, what did you do? How did you end up kind of finding the next path forward to be able to actually use this equipment that you had purchased? 
I'd say it, it was kind of like a forced trial by fire. We had to find a way to to learn the system and work with every group to find a solution. And we did. Yeah, fast forward to the end. Three years later, we now we now have the largest robotic robotic painting system in, I believe, in the contract job shop world in North America. We are, and it's approved by OSHA, NRTL, and our State Electrical Commission. Uh, we also are an NRTL approved owner of a robotic technology, and we're a certified factory of for an NRTL uh, to produce it. Um, and we also helped work with the State Electrical Commission to be able to create code for manufacturing and machinery to be able to let everyone have a path forward so they don't end up like we do. So Tyler, we want to share this journey with our listeners to be able to help them um, understand the different ways that you can avoid having something like this happen. And so really what from the beginning, what really happened was the Electrical Commission, they went and they got this new regulation that they had to, that they had to follow. And, and it's not anything against, I don't want to put down any of the state electrical commissions or the manufacturers of equipment or the NRTLs, all of them are do, doing good things. But the three together make something almost impossible because the state electrical commission, they have an important, but I would say like impossible task. They have to keep everyone safe and there's a huge electrical code book that governs every installation. And it's a broad range from your home installation of putting in a building a house all the way over to huge factories and giant equipment they got to go put their stamp on both of those and they're supposed to use this code book to govern whether it's, it's okay or not and the changing technology and manufacturing is so fast that it doesn't keep up with the code and it's really hard for them to interpret how they're supposed to be able to apply that to the new equipment that's coming out and i think that's what happened to us is that our equipment didn't match the code book. They hadn't seen it before, so they didn't know what to do. And so in our industry, there are also companies that are trying to do the right thing like we were. You know, we're, we're using name brand equipment. We're using certified electricians. But there's also people on the other side that are buying stuff on eBay or Alibaba, and they're shipping it in from halfway across the world, and it's not regulated. It doesn't meet any safety standard. Or even people that are home making their own equipment that doesn't apply to anything, and it can be very unsafe. They're trying to come up with a standard that'll work for everyone, that we can all comply and, and level the playing field. But my problem with that is that we're creating these regulations to make it fair, but it isn't fair because globally in a competitive world that we're in, North America has to play by a different set of rules than the rest of the world. Everybody else has a set of rules and then there's North America, like our imperial versus metric system. We're always different. And <laughs> the problem is with our regulations, those X regulations cost money. They make the equipment, they make everything cost more, and so it does make it harder, but it is what it is. We can either, I can either consider complain about it or we can get educated and learn how to play the game. And that's what we did. And that's what kind of what I want to share. So then, uh, Derek, kind of break down some of maybe the the oddities of the regulations and the codes that, that you had to walk through and uh, maybe share some of the ways that other manufacturers can navigate these same complexities and oddities, right? Because it does seem like an impossible path forward to a certain extent. So uh, what types of, uh, of regulatory tips can you give to help make sure that other manufacturers can navigate this, um, this path the same way you were able to? I think the first thing is we all know what OSHA is in manufacturing. OSHA, sometimes it scares the crap out of us to have to hear the word OSHA. We don't want to hear OSHA, but they're a United States Department of Labor agency that's created to be able to, that has the ability and the power to be able to go in any facility and make sure that you're, you can inspect and examine to make sure your place is safe. It's too big of a job for just them. So they have NRTLs, which are National Registered Testing Laboratories, which they give the power to do the regulations and check for them. 
so that if it meets that standard, they don't have to worry about that. that. And then same as electrical inspectors, they're using the same thing. And then NRTLs, as they call them, that's for short, that isn't a government agency. And that was something I didn't know. I thought nationally registered testing laboratory, they're a third party company, which means that they're there to make money. They're a business. And so they're there for a good reason. They're, they, they test everything to the worst case scenario, and they make sure that it's safe for everyone to use. That sounds great. Problem is they're also the company that has to just creating the code because I met a lot of them. There are very brilliant people that work there, like walking textbooks that know everything that can spout code to the way it's scary. They're just, they're great, brilliant people, but they're also the ones that then are creating the code because they're the most knowledgeable. So they're creating the code that we have to adhere to. And they, then we have to pay them to be able to be certified to use them. It's this weird circle, but they're the experts and they, they know what, what we need to use, but. The reason that that's there is because in our great, lovely, I'd say our country that we live in, that we have, it's governed and run by lawyers and insurance companies. They're all trying to protect our butts and pass liability onto someone else. So as that's being said, that's why we have all these layers. No one wants to put their name on something until someone else can do it. And so as equipment and machinery and manufacturing continues to advance, it gets harder and harder for local electrical inspectors to approve what they're seeing. The NRTLs, what they say is that, that are you qualified to put your name on this complicated piece of machinery that it's safe? And they'll say, well, I'm looking for UL labels. And if it has a UL label on it, then it should be fine. And they'll say, but do you know that every component is put together in a safe way? You can put safe components together in an unsafe way. And so unless you know that that's okay, if you put your name on it, you could be liable. So then they pass it to the NRTL. Everything, they're moving towards everything needs to be NRTL approved or you're not going to be able to use it. The problem is with equipment and manufacturing is that most equipment, it's not like equipment and machinery is the kind of the two things. Equipment would be a power tool, a toaster, washing machine, something you remake over and over again. Machinery that's specific to what a customer needs for their parts changes. Like when our, in the paint world, you build an oven or a paint booth or a conveyor line, it's different for every person to meet the size parts that they have. So it never repeats. So they can't get it NRTL listed. So now you have equipment that cannot be NRTL listed, but a process that is moved to make sure that everything has an NRTL label on it or else they don't want to have anything to do with it because they don't want their name on it. So it became this kind of vicious circle right when we were building our system. And so our machinery got labeled as equipment. It's, and we said, it's not a power drill. They said, it's, it, in the code book, machinery is listed under equipment. So we got like, I got into grammar again. I felt like I was in high school looking at every word, trying to understand the meaning of what every word was. And we kind of went in a circle and we, there was a problem. But there's things that we can do as manufacturers that uh, they can make this better. Now, there are options out there. At the time, there was no other way to be able to get it certified. We actually had the state electrical inspectors came, the state electrical commissioner came, the state South Dakota's lawyers came, everyone came to our facility. And that should be like a scary thing. I didn't sleep very well that night before that happened. But luckily, we are in a really unique position because of our experience getting a robot uh, NRTL certified, a piece of machinery certified, and in a class one day one environment, which is a whole nother level of complexity. We understood the different rules and what the NRTLs are looking for. And then our state was amazing. Our electrical commissioner and elect, uh, they're all awesome. They, they listened, we talked, we walked through the machinery, we saw what the problems were, and then we went back and we ended up creating new code 
uh, for our state electrical commission to be able to use, and they're going to take it to the regional level to try to get it passed to, to other states as well, to be able to make sure that there is a path forward for machinery that cannot be listed. It really ended up being a very stressful, but ended up being a very, very rewarding thing. We got our system certified. They helped us get through the process, and we got our system up and running, and we ended up creating code together that other manufacturers can use. So it, it was a very rewarding in the end. Uh, endeavor for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if there was a, I don't know, a summary or a conclusion or a way that you could wrap this up in a way that um, maybe brings it home and, and kind of puts it in a concise package for other manufacturers, what types of things would you would you tell them? If you were sitting down for, for coffee, for breakfast, for dinner, you know, or, you know, just having a beer with another manufacturer and they say, Derek, what do I need to do? What are the first steps I should take? How would you maybe summarize that process for them? For sure, for to proactively work with your state and electrical commission, find out what it is. We need to have communication. You don't want to wait till after you've installed something to call them to have them come out. You can't assume that the equipment manufacturer or that your electrician is going to know what your state code is. Every state has different code. And so the equipment manufacturers, they can't build their equipment to, to know every state code. So they build it generally and they use some of their general assumptions. So before you finalize your purchase order for equipment. You want to be proactive to be able to talk to be able to know what's available for options. The most important thing to do, the number one thing is to make, can you get that piece of machinery or equipment? Can it be listed? Can it be NRTL listed? If that's the number one thing, if it can be that, you're done. You're set. No one will ever have a problem with what you're doing. A lot of times it can. And if it cannot be offered that way, make sure that you get a nameplate nameplate from the manufacturer that states all the electrical requirements that your state requires. So you wanna take that piece of equipment, talk to your local electrical inspector. If they don't know, they'll go to the state and they'll say, here's what I'm putting in, here's the specs, here's the machine. What do you want it to say on here? And then you wanna make sure then also that the electrical cabinet is NRTL approved. If you have an NRTL approved uh, cabinet and that you asked and required to have NRTL approved components, that's as good as you can get on that piece of equipment, then you take that to your electrical commission or your electrical inspector and you tell them, this is what I want to do. Here's the things I can get. I can get an NRTL cabinet. I can get NRTL components. It's built to the specification that it can. What do you want to have on this nameplate? Where, what can I do to make sure that this meets the requirement? If that's not possible, you you're gonna might be in trouble because uh, you got to have those things on there. You can get a field evaluation from an NRTL, meaning that an NRTL company will fly out to your place. They'll go and inspect your machine to have it field evaluated, and it can be certified. And if the field evaluation passes, then the electrical commission will allow you to put it under power. But you want to be very careful to make sure you communicate and make sure there's a precedent that has been set, that that's already passed that before. You don't want to risk putting something in and then it being red tagged, and then there'd be no path for you to be able to turn it on. Those are probably the three main things that we would strongly encourage other companies to do to communicate with, with their local and state level to make sure that what they put in is going to work. Well, that is some fantastic information, I think, for, for other manufacturers to have. And I think that you've given them a ton of wonderful uh, tips and uh, a little bit more of a roadmap for them to move forward in this process, given your experiences. Well, Derek, thank you again so much for joining us here on Manufacturing a Stronger Standard and breaking down this topic for us. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next uh, the next podcast in this series as well. But uh, until we get there, Derek DeGeest, President of DeGeese Corporation and Lesta USA. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tyler. 
And everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. We'll be back soon with more episodes and the next episode in this series on changing regulations and how they impact manufacturers and things that you should know about that. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern, and we'll talk again soon. 